0: So glad you're here. you can be seated. I uh, want to welcome those of you that are joining us online. Uh, so I want to introduce you to somebody. Can I? Uh, this is a dear, dear friend of mine, uh, childhood friend of mine. Uh, brother in Christ. Uh, we've been best friends since kindergarten. Um, after graduate, Wow. That that is a little bit. So after graduation, we both came to Christ, Uh, both served in Calvary Chapel, Spokane for many years together. And here we are all these years later, and he's here today. And I wanted to share him with you, you with him. Um, I want to show you some pictures. Oh, jeez. So for those of you that were here for first service, you already know. So I'm just going to ask the same thing I asked of first service, two things, okay. First, be nice, just be nice. Second, don't look at the hair. I said, don't look at the hair. You're looking at the So you know, the snowmobile, that's not a hat, that's my hair. Thank you very much for that. Did you hear that? Just so, you, so so it's clear. He said I was handsome. Was. You said was? was. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, notice uh, Dan. Uh, he had hair. So I don't know what's up with that. Look at that adorable kindergarten picture of mm-hmm. us. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, uh, you want, so he want, this was, uh, he shared a little bit first service. So I'm going to
1: yep. let
0: you share again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you going to? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, see you. Well, thank you. <laughs> You were handsome.
1: No one's ever given me a hand before.
0: Seriously, <laughs> I was like, I
1: got a reserved seat back here. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so anyway, th- uh, it's so it's so great to be here. I was here 40 years ago in your lovely state, and and uh, I have a sister on the Big Island, which we're going to go see, and and my family, my beautiful family is back here. My wife, Nadia, and uh, my two daughters, Giselle and Sophia. So if you get a chance to meet them, please do. But uh, but yeah, J.D. and I, uh, sorry, I, I, he's only… Wait, he signed a non-disclosure made, agreement,
0: an NDA, right, so… Right.
1: And he's only given me 45 minutes to speak this morning, so I've got to be quick because I've got some stories. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. But… Uh, no, it's so great to be here and to visit uh, him and his his wonderful family as well. But uh, uh, yeah, we grew up together. I mean, since baby, I, I don't have memories without him. Uh, so, but we, have well, you, you know. I don't
0: like the way you said that. Actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> some good, some bad, but anyway, it's so great to be in in this wonderful facility. I've. Uh, I've, I, I told at the first service, I was so surprised that so many people would come to hear anything this guy says. Yeah, it yeah. can't
0: help
1: <laughs> and I was talking to some lady, uh, some beautiful young lady out in the, in the foyer there that uh, told me that you have this big following on whatever Insta, whatever the things are now. But I was, I'm so shocked. Yeah anyway so but it's wonderful to 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 be here with my family and to meet many of you and hopefully i'll continue to we uh, uh we're we're just here for another day or so but but uh, what was i going to say oh yeah um the one thing i noticed and i noticed it again here and whenever i travel my wife is from russia and uh, i remember the first time i went there uh, to meet her and to, we attended the church that she was going to then and it reminded me of today, is that no matter where you're from, I mean, we're, we're here, you guys, you guys all dress funny here and <laughs> talk funny. And it was the same thing, but uh, how Christ brings us together. When I went to, yeah, isn't that true? When I went to Russia, they played some of the same worship songs, but in Russian. And it was that immediate bond that I had uh, with them there, and it's the same here, no matter where you come, when the, when the body uh, gathers together, when the brotherhood's together, uh, it's a beautiful thing. So thank you. You've all been so uh, welcoming. If you'd like to hear stories, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, a big hook will come out here. You have to leave right after. No, I don't have to leave, so I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I've got time. Thanks for offering. but. But anyway, it's a pleasure to meet you all. God bless you. You have an amazing pastor here. I'm not gay, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, this is.
0: Thank you. for that. Good save.
1: Yeah. That allows me to stay in their home one more night. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you guys are very blessed here. You're so very blessed. But no matter where we are, if we're in the Lord Jesus, you know, we we are we we've got it all. So. Awesome. All right. All How's right. my time? That's good. Is All it good? good. Yeah. Okay. Right. God All bless good.
0: you. Thank you. Wolfie. All right. So a uh, couple of real quick announcements before we get started. So this Thursday, Pastor Mac is going to be filling in for me and teaching. Uh, it's the first Thursday of the month, which is when we usually partake together of communion, which we will not do Thursday. However, we will on resurrection Sunday, which is next Sunday. So both services, we're going to celebrate communion together for resurrection Sunday. Uh, First service will be the prophecy update. Second service will be a resurrection Sunday sermon. And at the conclusion of both services, we will partake together and then of course, uh, subsequent to that, we'll uh, go back to the first Thursday of the month. But looking forward to Can you believe it's already Resurrection Sunday? It's already here. I, 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 I blinked and it was January, and now we're already in April. So also just want to let you know, and I was reminded of this, but uh, Tuesday night uh, we have our prayer meeting, 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Would really encourage you to join with us if you're able and uh, it would uh, be a blessing, I know, for those who do come. It is such a blessing to come together and pray together as a church together. All right, Second Peter. Hey, we finish Second Peter today. Yeah. Um, How about that timing, right? So then next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. And then after that, we're going to start in First John. Uh, Lest you think that I am clever in timing that. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh -uh. huh? That was the Lord. So perfect timing. We're going to finish the book today. Next week is Resurrection Sunday. And then Lord willing, we'll commence in our study through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Then after that is Jude, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. And you know what comes after Jude? Revelation. Now this, of course, presupposes the rapture doesn't happen first, which is fine, right? We'd be okay with that. Okay, so our text, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, I'll ask you to stand if you're able. If not, where you're seated is fine. You can follow along as I read, beginning in verse 16, where the Apostle Peter is continuing now as he references uh, our dear brother, the Apostle Paul. And so he says, verse 16, he, speaking of Paul, writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other Scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, verse 17, dear friends. Since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. If you would, please join with me. Father in heaven, thank You so much. Oh, Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Apostle Peter, who You inspired to write this for us today, because all Scripture is for our instruction, reproof, if need be, direction, even protection. And such is the case with this portion that we have before us today here in Your Word. So Lord, we're just going to ask You, as we always do, as only You can, to, by the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, get our attention. And then once You have our attention, hold our attention so our minds don't wander and get distracted by all the busyness of our busy lives. Uh, Lord, we we want to focus and give You our undivided attention, because we don't want to miss anything that You have for us here in Your Word today. So Lord, will You speak in that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and Amen. You can be seated. Thank you very much. So starting Monday this last week, I had this inexplicable agitation of sorts as I was beginning, as I always do, the process of preparing and praying for today's teaching. And when this happens, what I do is step back from the text and inquire of the Lord. And that's what I did. Then, On Tuesday morning, I began to have an understanding, as the Lord just began to minister to me and bless the understanding of this passage to me. And what I saw was something that I personally have been struggling with as of late. And it has to do with how bad things are getting. And let me explain what I mean by that. It's like it's getting so bad now. You don't know what to believe, who to believe. You don't know whether it's real or fake. Uh, You don't dare. I mean, it's getting so bad now that you don't dare post that on social media. I mean, if you do, you better be prepared for what is going to (laughs) happen. Namely, you're blocked, unfriended, of course, this after they blast you. and. I mean, it just goes on and on, and it's getting so bad. And it's getting worse, it seems, with each passing day. And so what the Lord ministered to me, and this is what I want to share with you today, is what it is that we can do in light of how everything in the world seems to be getting worse and worse. If you'll kindly allow me to. I want to share with you how the Lord settled my agitated heart with these verses. You ever experienced that, where there's this inexplicable agitation? That's a sanctified agitation, by the way. The Lord's kind of stirring things up, because it propels you to Him to seek Him. So He's divinely ordained this agitation and even frustration, so that you'll seek Him. And he hasn't heard from you in a while, maybe, and so he wants to hear from you. And he knows that the only time he hears from you is when he stirs things up. That's the only time we give him a call <laughs> when we need something, right? And so he knows that, and that explains why it is that he'll, you know, agitate, frustrate, and um, that's what he did. And so, anyway, man, it just. He just opened up the eyes of my understanding to this. And I think it's incumbent upon me to um, kind of first provide a little bit of the backstory, which is going to be germane to our understanding. And I think it's very fitting since we're coming to the completion of this book of Second Peter. Um, It was written about six years prior to the book of Jude. Now why is that important? Because Peter warns about what's coming. Jude warns that it's already here. So you got this timeline, this time span of about six years between Peter's writing and Jude's writing. And by the way, uh, I hope this doesn't mess you up, but his name is actually Judas. Yeah, I told you I was going to mess you up. Half brother of Jesus born to Joseph and Mary. Um, I think it's wisdom. I can see the prudence in, in not naming his writing, inspired, of course, the, the book of Judas, because that would, you know, <laughs> who's going to want? Really? It's not the same guy. Okay, this is Judas, Jude, the half brother of Jesus, as was James, by the way. Now, why do I point that out or even emphasize that? Because for those of you, when we went through James, do you remember that? Are you scarred from that? Um, What a book. It's not a book you walk away from going, oh, praise the Lord. You, (laughs) You walk away from the book of James going, oh, am I still even saved? I don't know. I mean, it's just in your face. And that's the case with Jude. And it really comports with what Peter is writing here in his parting words. Think about this. He knows his days are numbered. He's about to take his last breath here in this life and his first breath in the presence of the Lord for eternal life. And of all of the things, that God, by the Holy Spirit, would inspire him to write about. It's this? It's a warning? I mean, if it were me, I would much rather talk about things other than this. But no, isn't it true that when someone's on their deathbed, they get real, real quick? That's what Peter's doing here, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, I think we would do well to take heed to this warning. Question, what were they warning us about? Answer, the increase of false teachers, false teachings, false doctrines, doctrines of demons, as Paul would reference it. So the warning from Peter, and then subsequently Jude, is that there are going to be these false teachers that are going to distort Scripture. And, and I, I want you to listen, because you're not going to have me around much longer. And, and I want you to remember this warning from me. I love you so much. And I want you to know this, and I want you to be aware of this, and I have to warn you about this there's going to be these guys that are going to come in and they're going to twist and distort the Word of God. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Well, in my time with the Lord and inquiring of the Lord, I was reflecting on using this six year timeline from when Peter wrote and Jude wrote. So it kind of went back six years, which would have been the year 2017. Stay with me. Think about this. It's been six years since 2017. Do you remember what it was like in 2017? Would you agree that it's gotten infinitely worse since 2017? Who knew? Well, God knew. I mean, the year 2020 changes everything. And I mean, all of a sudden, I mean overnight, seemingly, things just went from bad to worse (laughs) and changed, never to return to what they were before. And oh my goodness, (laughs) the pronounced presence of these false teachers with their false doctrines leading people astray abound, exactly as we're told in God's Word that they would. So what I want to do in our time together is talk about three practical, and more importantly, biblical ways to respond to this last day's onslaught of confusion and deception if you were to ask me what I thought, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, ah, I'll wait. Don't you hate it when somebody does that. Oh, wait, I can't say that. What? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you later. So the first one is in verse 16, and it's that of discerning the distortion Now, I'm choosing that word for a reason. Peter is, again, affectionately referring to Paul's writing. And what he's basically saying is that his letters spoke of things that were hard to wrap one's mind around. And this, in a sense, gave these guys permission, license, a permit, if you prefer, to take the hard to understand writings of the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, possessed a crushing intellect. And they used that as a license to twist and distort and mislead. And the result was, it became like a magnet drawing these, as Peter calls them, untaught and unstable false teachers. So they come on the scene almost to fill this vacuum, if you will. And what do they do? Well, they take and they twist and they distort the Scriptures. This word for distort carries with it in the original language of the Greek New Testament, the idea of twisting, even torturing and stretching so far that there's a dislocating, as in with a limb. That's what they were doing. They were taking the Word of God and they were twisting it, distorting it, stretching it, and dislocating it. (laughs) And they were deceiving people. And what Peter's warning is is be discerning <laughs> have discernment don't be ignorant be discerning don't be so gullible because see these guys are attracted to immature christians they're low hanging fruit for them they prey on them as the Apostle Paul would say, recorded in the book of Acts chapter 20. I mean, it's pretty emotional and intense. I mean, the Apostle Paul, I mean, I, I know we have a picture of the Apostle Paul in our mind, uh, what he was like. But man, this guy, he, surely he commanded the respect, rightfully so. But I picture this guy as just being a soft hearted, very emotional and passionate man very passionate. And he says as much in Acts 20 that for three years, day and night, he would cry, weep, because he knew that after his departure there would come in these guys that Peter's talking about, that Jude's going to talk about, that many others like them talk about, that are wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're not going to spare the flock and he knew they were going to prey on them. And you can always know a wolf because they will draw disciples unto themselves. That's the litmus test. And and Paul says that. And and here Peter, in referencing the apostle Paul affectionately, by the way, and we talked about that last week, the relationship between Paul and Peter, uh, they loved each other very much. And they have been through so much together, those guys. Yeah. And here they are now at the end of their lives, and they're just warning the flock, have discernment. You know, Christians by nature are trusting. And really that's what sheep are. They're, They're easily duped, for lack of a better word. And here Peter is just appropriately, I suppose you could say, warning about discerning, the discernment of spirits. God's given us discernment. We can discern, and, and please, 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 I, the enemy just has a heyday with this, because he's made synonymous discernment with judgment. Don't judge wait a minute. To judge in the context of how Jesus says it means don't condemn. But He doesn't say don't have sound judgment, discernment. In fact, it's the opposite that's true. We're exhorted, even commanded to be discerning, have spiritual discernment so that we're not led astray, as we're going to talk about next. One need look no further than to how many a Christian has fallen prey to this distortion. And it comes from the author of confusion, the accuser of the brethren, and the father of lies. God, the Apostle Paul, writing of the Corinthian church, says God is not the author of confusion. In other words, this is discernment, by the way, you can discern that it's not the Lord if it's confusing, because God's not the author of confusion. It should be a, a gauge by which you measure and test the spirits and discern the spirits. Be discerning so that you're not picked off by one of these guys. And here's the thing, you guys in the last days, it's going to get proportionately and even prophetically worse. It's a sign. We talked about at first service. The number one sign marking the last days before Jesus comes and raptures us as His church. You know what it is? Deception. Deception. Do not be deceived. It's it's so powerful. It's so strong. Jesus said that it would be, it's so strong that if it were possible, it would deceive even the very elect. And He said that He actually had to shorten the days, because if He didn't shorten the days, then no flesh would survive. That's how powerful the deception would be. The Apostle Paul, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Peter, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Don't be ignorant. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I'm not angry. I might be, a little bit. I'm going to get angry. People say, you're angry. Well, if you keep telling me I'm angry, I'm going to get angry. Okay, I feel better now. So okay, I'll, I'll bring it down a notch or two. <laughs> um, Replete, again throughout Scripture, is this repeated warning. (laughs) Don't be ignorant of Satan's strategies and devices. Don't be ignorant. Don't be deceived. Instead of being deceived, be discerning. You can discern the deception. See, God's given us the wisdom from above, as James writes. This first pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated and full of mercy and good fruits without hypocrisy or partiality bearing fruit under righteousness. That's a great template, by the way. So something comes along. You've got to ask yourself some questions. You, you take every thought captive, but you've got to test that spirit. So somebody comes along and they say this or that. You go, wait, wait, not so fast. Not, sorry, if I'm pointing at anybody, I didn't mean to. I'll, I'll look down. Not, not so fast. <laughs> uh, let's let's test this. Uh, what's the test? Uh, is it compatible with the Word of God? Because if it's not compatible with the Word of God, guess what? It's not the it's not the Lord. It's that simple. So nice try. Oh, you thought. Oh, by the way, uh, I know we talked about this. This is probably as good of a time as any to kind of uh, mention it again. Very important. Please listen. These guys. These false teachers that distort and twist the Scriptures, to their own destruction, by the way, to their own peril, they can smell an immature Christian a mile away. And conversely, so too can they smell a mature Christian a mile away. So here's the immature Christian, low hanging fruit. Here's the mature Christian. Guess what? They will stay. as far away from the mature Christian who's going to see right through them. And they will prey on that immature Christian because they're so gullible and not discerning. In First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, we're told very specifically that the men of Issachar, were not only the ones who both understood and discerned the times that they were living in, but they also knew what Israel should do. This stand alone. I mean, it just it it really says it all. Let me explain. There's a twofold thing here. First, discerning. So first they were able to discern the times. They understood the times. That's number one. Number two, they don't just leave it there. They knew what they were to do about the times they were in. Uh, you know, I think we do err greatly as Christians, and I'll include myself in this. I'm just as prone as anyone to do this. But um, we, we might be discerning. But we don't do anything about it, or with it. And there are a number of reasons for that. We talked about a couple of them in the prophecy update. One of them is the fear of man. Uh, the other one is the fear of being the only one to stand alone. And and here's what here's what the enemy does. He's so good at it, man. He comes in and you you this is this is what that sounds like. You're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. So the enemy comes along and goes. You're the only one saying that. You're the only one who believes that. It's, it's you. You're, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. I, in fact, you're losing it. <laughs> That's a different. Uh, <laughs> does he say that to you too? Uh, please just say yes. Just humor me. You're losing it. You're, you're, you're going out of your mind. You're, you're you know, man. N- no. But listen. You're in a, I use this illustration. I'm going to use it again. Uh, just hear me out. They've done research and you know studies on this. So you've got a classroom of, of uh, young students, right? And they're all in on this experiment. And that the, the teacher is going to put up on the board, two plus two equals five. And all of the students are going to raise their hand, except one because uh, he's the one that this is being done to. <laughs> you see, that would be me in the, in the anyway, in the class. That, that's something they would do to me. I'm not, I'm not bitter. Right, Wolfie? That, that would be, or you too. It would probably be you too. So you get the one student in that class. And uh, he's going, uh, no it doesn't. No it doesn't. So on cue, two plus two equals five. Raise your hand. And here's the guy going, no. Oh, and then if the teacher maybe decides to say something to the effect of, for those of you who believe that two plus two equals four, raise your hand. Like I'm going to raise my hand. And the only one, you know, everybody's looking at you. The enemy does that. So let me, back up. 2020 again. 2020 hits. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to say that. Just like that. That's all I'm going to say. Just that. I don't need to say anymore. Okay. You already know. So 2020 hits. You like me. You remember? We're like, uh, uh something's not right here. Right? then there's a check in your spirit. And that's the Lord. It's called, wait for it, discernment. That's what they call that. That's the word for it. So there was some of us who were actually questioning and discerning and testing. And we had discernment. And everybody else is going, two plus two equals five. We're going, oh, no, it does not. Last time I checked, I know I'm, I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. <laughs> now, okay, just it's in the Bible, that word stupid. Don't get all offended. And doesn't it feel good to say stupid? It just feels good. Okay, I'll stop saying it, I, I think. But it's kind of like, listen, I I may not be the proverbial sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer, but something doesn't smell right here. Something ain't right here. So God gives you this discernment. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to do something about it? They knew what Israel should do. So God gives them the discernment. They're able to understand and discern the times. And God packages with that discernment what they're to do with that discernment. It's putting feet to your faith. It's the walk matching the talk. It's action. It's the mixture. Again, this is James. Uh, This was a powerful eye opening uh, illustration that, you know. Uh, when you, you know, you mix faith, because faith without works is dead. So it, it carries with it the idea of, and the illustration is water, H2O. Uh, no, yeah, you, you mix two together and you create water, hydrogen, oxygen. You have to mix it, your, your faith with your works for it to activate. And so with this discernment, that's from the Lord, He's given you that discernment. Now what are you going to do with it? The second one, which goes hand in hand, is in verse 17, and it's simply, be on your guard. We let our guard down, don't we? Again, we're so trusting, but what Peter is warning about here is that, Knowing all of this should have the much needed effect of our always being on guard. I'll say it this way. I'll flip it around. Never, ever, ever let your guard down, especially in this world that we're living in today. Never let your guard down. And see, again, I'm going to, I don't want to give the enemy too much credit, but uh, I think there's the opposite extreme where we don't give him enough credit which is, by the way, his whole scheme, the scheme of the devil. He he wants us to be in the extreme. So on one extreme, we make Satan so powerful that is the opposite of God. He's not. And then on the other side, we make Satan into this cute little red pitchfork tights character, you know, it's on the show Don't do it. Either extreme. Uh, we, we either make him too powerful, or we dismiss him as not being powerful at all. And Satan couldn't be happier when we do that. So here, here's what that looks like. Okay, stay with me. I'll, I'll do my best on this. So we all have those weak areas in our lives, those areas that we struggle with. We're vulnerable. And the enemy knows that because he studies us. He stalks us. He, like the lion, studies his prey and waits for the optimum time to attack. He roams around and just waits. And he's patient. He's more patient than we are, especially me. And he just waits at you. No hurry, no worry. Just waiting for JD. Because, see, we shore up those weak areas at the expense of those areas that we think we stand strong in. And this is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Be careful if you think you stand strong lest you fall. Why do we fall in the areas of our greatest strength? Because we let our guard down. we think, you know, I, I'm good there. And so we're focusing all of our attention on the the weakness, the vulnerable area, those weak areas in our lives that we struggle with. And so Satan's now diverted our attention. And so we let our guard down. And so when we least expect it, we're over here trying to, you know, shore up and be on guard and Satan's going, (laughs) just like that. Yeah. And he comes in unaware in the realm of the spirit and He brings us down because we've let our guard down. I'll say it again. I just, and I exhort myself when I say this. Never, ever, ever let your guard down. We live in a time now in human history that is most unforgiving of not being on guard like never before in our lives. Don't let your guard down. Because if you do, here's what happens, you can write the next chapter in this. People get carried away. Not carried away like you're getting carried away, like I do every, every week. <laughs> They're carried away, led astray if you prefer. And what Peter says here is very interesting. And please don't miss this or misunderstand this. When he says, as some translations render it, that you'll fall from your secure position, what he's saying is that you will be derailed from your established steadfastness. Let me explain that. You're not going to fall from your position, your secure position in Christ. You can't lose your salvation. Once you're saved, you're saved. If you're born again, you're not going to be unborn again, because think about it. And we've talked about this, and this is under such attack by those who twist and distort and torture the scriptures. Once saved always saved is false. No, you're false. How about that? Because if if you're right, you know what that means? That means that I have to work for my salvation. Oh, no. We're saved by grace. No, 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 no. that's not what you're saying. Nice try though. (laughs) Uh, we're, We're doing this. What you're saying is, okay, yeah, I'm saved by grace through faith, not of works. But what you're saying is that I have the propensity to lose my salvation. That means I've got to work to keep it, or I will fall from my secured salvation. No, this is spiritual growth established steadfastness that will be derailed. Let me say it like this, be on your guard or your spiritual growth will be stunted. You're saved, but you're not growing. Why are you not growing? Because you've been led astray and you have been derailed again. And so that steadfastness, the momentum, the spiritual growth, and by the way, we're, we're going to see this next grow in His grace. That's how He ends. And we, we we it, easy for me to say, <laughs> isn't it true? I'll say it of myself too, that when we get to the end of a book, we just kind of read past it. It's just a formality. You know, it's like the movies, right? The, I haven't been to a movie in a long time, but you see the credits, right? Everybody leaves. When was the last time you were like somebody, oh, no, where's the popcorn? The credits. At the end. The lights come on. It's kind of like, oh, I guess it's not very important. We do that with the Bible. The, you know, <laughs> was that too much? That's the best illustration I got. So if you got a better one, please let me know. Email me. Actually, please don't email me, actually. but here's the end of the letter. And it's kind of like he's signing off. And we're like, okay, cool, the end. Lights come on. But no, don't do that, because every word in God's Word is inspired. And it's there for a reason. So what's the reason for this admonition and exhortation? It's because what's at stake here is not your salvation, it's your spiritual maturity. It's, it's your growing in grace and maturing in Christ, which is our third and final one in the last verse, in verse 18. Peter, true to form, drives it home by providing us with the final answer. This is practical again, please. And it's biblical concerning what it is that we can do as things get worse. And by the way, that's a presupposition that you know things are going to get worse. I cannot (laughs) stand. How perky. Uh, It is. You know that, right? I cannot stand up here, as is my privilege to every week behind this pulpit, and say to you, hey, things are going to get better. They're not. They're going to get worse, in fact. And they are getting worse. That's what my Bible says. I'm looking for that verse in Hezekiah next to, you know, that verse, cleanliness is next to godliness or God helps those who help themselves. That's in there, right? No, it's not. I'm looking for that verse that says, happy days are here again. It's not here. It's not here. Oh, you're such a doom and gloom. I know. It's, It's a gift. Well, that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, "Listen, it, you you need to mature and grow in grace and mature in Christ. Otherwise, you're a sitting duck for what's coming." Fast forward six years. So if we're still in two thousand seventeen, now we're in twenty twenty three. That is six years, right? Yeah. Good. Okay. So here we are in 2023, six years later, and it's like, oh, if I didn't grow and mature in Christ, I would have been toast with what's happening now. And it's getting worse. And you're up there telling me it's going to get even worse. I should have went to the other church today. I shouldn't have come this one. But it's a built in protection. It's, it's a built-in protection. You're, you're foolproof. Is that, a, is that a phrase? You're, okay, good. Well, say it is anyway. <laughs> if it's not, let me know after. Actually, don't let me know after. So you, you've, you've now, you've kind of sealed, uh, and, and you're now foolproof. You know, waterproof. How am I doing? Is that, you got it, right? Tell me, please, you got it. And I'll end this misery in this. So it's just like you're waterproof, you're foolproofed when you grow and mature in the... And notice he says, the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why the delineation? Well, grace, we know grace. We try to define grace, which is indefinable by its very nature. Oh, so we say it's unmerited favor. That doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. The grace of God, it's roommates with the mercy of God. As one said, the grace of God is God giving you what you don't deserve, and the mercy of God is God not giving you what you do deserve. I'll take both, please. I need both, please. So he's careful by the Holy Spirit to delineate between the grace and the knowledge. scope. Why is that important? Here's why. You remember uh, when the angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she was with child and was going to give birth to the Savior of the world? And as you might imagine, she's just baffled and bewildered and, and questions it like, I think you pulled the wrong file because I've never known a man. She uses a very interesting word in the Greek, the word gnosko, experiential knowledge. Um, It's the same word, by the way. Now, this is going to be interesting. Stay with me on this. You know, in Matthew 7, when Jesus is uh, teaching and He says, there's going to be some who will come to Me and say, Lord, Lord and I will say, depart from Me, I never knew you. Same word. What Jesus was saying was, the same thing that Mary was saying, I've never had that experience with a man. Spiritual intercourse, if you will, where there could be a conception in the spiritual. I've never known intimately. Jesus, uh, you, you might say you know me, but we've never, there's never been a conception of new life. You're, you were never born again. The seed of God's Word was not met with the fertility of your heart to have a conception. That's what Peter is saying. We need to grow in this experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're saved by grace. Well, Let's not stop there. And is that not the problem? Is that many Christians, they get saved and they never grow, and they never bear fruit. And that's why you have some Christians that have been walking with the Lord for a short period of time. And man, they are on fire for the Lord, Amen. growing and going and glowing. And another word that rhymes with all of that. <laughs> and then contrasted with the other Christian that, you know, they've been walking with the Lord. They're saved. They got saved 130 years. Okay, that's too much. They got saved years ago, and they're they're still on milk. They should be teaching by now, but they never grew. They never teed. They can't eat meat because they're still babes. That's the writer of Hebrews, by the way. Remember going through Hebrews? I was kind of like James, wasn't it? We should have got t-shirts. I went through James and Hebrews and survived, lived to tell about it. Tough book, man. Tough book. Good stuff, though. But the writer of Hebrews is, I mean, that talk about telling it like it is. It's almost like this. Shame on you. You're still on milk. You should be teaching by now. You never matured. You, you, you still need to be nursed as a baby. You, you need to grow. And the, and the, you know, the, the uh, you, let, me, let me try again. Thank you for your grace, by the way. So being born again, how do you know someone's born again? Because when you're born, you know somebody's been born. You, when our children were born, there was no question that they were born. So when someone's born again, there should be no question, because why? They're going to desire, crave. Boy, I tell you, our our babies, it it was really hard on me because they wanted to be nursed all the time. So I just gave them to my wife here, nurse, nurse, (laughs) nurse them, okay? Same thing when you're a a babe in Christ, you're born again and you're an infant. You crave the, the milk, but then you start growing, you start crawling in the Lord. And then you start walking with the Lord. And as you mature and get older, you start running the race set before you. You see the progression there? I'm sorry to use this uh, comparison, but you know, in the physical, when you have a stunted growth or a disability, by the way, this is uh, important. Please don't use handicapped. Do you know where that came from? A beggar with a cap in their hand. Handicapped. No, don't use handicapped. Disabled. They have a disability. Okay. Sometimes it's a birth defect, from birth, and they never are able to really grow or mature. Well, let's transpose that into the spiritual realm. The same thing is true for Christians. They're, they're born again. Okay, they've been born. But it's almost like a, a spiritual birth defect, or they just, they never grow, they never mature. And they stay, you know, infants and stay on milk. And oh, I'm thinking, man, I, I love my steak. I, I, just for that, I'll grow up. Just for the steak, I'll grow up, you know you know, we we grow up. We we have, of course, a negative connotation. But here's the truth. Peter is basically saying throughout his epistles, grow up. Yeah, grow in His grace. Grow up. How many times did you and I, Wolfie, get, we we heard, grow up, you guys, grow up. (laughs) You're so immature. Yeah, we didn't want to grow up, but we had to. So, but in the spiritual realm, grow up. What? Grow up, will you? <laughs> Mature. You're so immature. You need to grow, grow in His grace and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. One last thing. This has application to the last days. And the reason I say that is because it comports Hermeneutically, that's a very fancy word that makes me sound smarter than I really am. It basically just means Scripture interpreting Scripture. So it comports with Scripture. When you take the Scripture as a whole, hermeneutically, where Scripture interprets Scripture. And the application of an exhortation like this comports with many a Bible prophecy about the last days. One in particular, Second Thessalonians 2, we talk about it a lot. We even talked about it first service, where the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian church says that in the last days, there's going to be a powerful delusion, a strong deception. And it's going to be so strong, this delusion and deception, that people who've rejected the truth will believe the lie. That's pretty strong. That's pretty powerful. So, not for the mature who's grown strong. Have you ever heard this saying? uh, One week without the Word of God makes one week. You got the play on words, right? Do I need to explain it and spell it? You go a week without the Word of God, the bread of life. You're going to become weak. Weak Christians. Where do you you get your strength? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You're going to grow strong. You're not in the Word. You're not in prayer. You're going to get weak. And Satan's just, again, waiting, very patient. Just, okay, cool. He hasn't been in the Word for a week. You guys ready? Stand by. He's getting weaker and weaker. So we're going to pounce as opposed to becoming stronger and stronger. Okay, one last thing. This will be my final closing. You know, the uh, Apostle Paul, when he writes to the churches in Galatia, and he talks about walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. As a young believer, I always struggle. Okay, what does it mean to walk, walk? I don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you're saying walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? Here's what that looks like. You're so full of the Spirit, strengthened by the Spirit, you'll have no appetite for the flesh. And to use a food illustration, which is my favorite illustration to use, if I fill myself up on junk food, I have no appetite for real food, in the physical, right? So you invite me over for dinner. Don't invite me. I can't accept. But you invite me over for, hypothetically. And on the way, I drive by, <laughs> you know where I drive by. Okay, Taco Bell, thank you very much. <laughs> what have I done to you poor people? And it, and it speaks to me, and it says my name, JD. Where are you going? Come on. And, and I listen. I, I, I slow down. I'm like, no, except they made this gourmet meal, man, prime rib, and, and I mean the whole seven course meal, and they went to great trouble. And, but here's the, the flesh rearing its ugly head, and it's speaking my language. And it's like, come on, JD, you know you want tacos. <laughs> so I give in, and I pull in and I eat a 12 pack. (laughs) Oh, what? you never done that. (laughs) Really? Come on, you're in church. You better be honest. So then I'm like, and then afterwards, oh, what did I just, what did I do? And then I'm still on my way over to your place now. I show up and here's this, I mean, food that's going to be in heaven. And he goes, "Oh, pasty! So glad you're here, and sit down, and oh, it's delicious." And I'm going, (laughs) "Let's flip it around, and I'm done." Let's say instead, "I go to your home, and I have, magnificent, fabulous dinner. I'm full." Now I'm going to drive by Taco Bell. Oh, you can try. JD, what? I can say, hi, Taco Bell, I've been expecting you. Ain't going to work this time. You know why? Because I'm satisfied. Oh, the dessert. Oh, did you see the dessert? I'm full. I'm so full of the Holy Spirit, I have no appetite for the lust of the flesh. That's what that means. So I'm, I'm strong, I'm nourished, I'm filled, I'm to overflowing, and I'm as powerful as a torrent of living water. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers me and enables me and strengthens me. And I, I, I have no interest in that, because I'm full of the Spirit. I'm mature in Christ. I've grown in grace, and I'm not vulnerable to that. Kapono, come on up. Please stand. We'll close in song and prayer. Oh Lord, thank You for Peter again. (laughs) I'm going to kind of miss him a little bit. That's okay. I'll get him in other sermons. No problem. But uh, thank You for Peter, though, Lord. Just uh, just even seeing how he matured over the years, because the Peter of the Gospels is surely not the Peter of the epistles. Oh, He did such a work in him, and he grew into this mighty man of God. And, and we get to be the beneficiaries of that. And Lord, thank You for Peter and for This Word, in Your Word, Lord, I pray that now, as only You can, You'll, by the Holy Spirit, take it from here and make it real in our lives. Apply it to our lives. Bless it to our hearts. Lord, we don't want want to be vulnerable. We want to be numbered amongst those who are discerning and on guard and growing and strong in Your strength. Lord, So Lord, thank You. We love You so much. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.